Augustine Institute Radio Theater presents The Victory of Joan of Arc. This episode is brought to you by The Mission Circle, a community dedicated to daily prayer and a monthly financial gift in support of the Augustine Institute's mission to help Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. For more information, visit missioncircle.org. We hope you enjoy listening to this episode, The Siege and the Peasant. What is your name? In my town, they call me Jeannette. Since I came to central France, I have been called Jeanne, or La Pucelle. Where were you born? In the town of Domremy. The names of your father and mother? My father was called Jacques d'Arc, and my mother, Isabelle. It is from my mother that I learned the Paternoster, Ave Maria and Credo. Do you know any trade? In my youth, I learned to sew linens and to spin. In my father's house, I was busy with housework. How old are you? As far as I know, I'm 19 years old. Where were you baptised? Don Remy. Did you confess your sins every year? Yes. To my parish priest, unless he was unable. Then I confessed to another priest. I received the sacraments of the Eucharist at the Feast of Easter. Did you receive the sacrament of the Eucharist at feasts... Other than Easter? Whenever I could, no matter where I was. Corpus Domini Nostri Jesu Christi, custodiat animam tuam in vitam eternam. Amen. Corpus Christi. Jan, what is wrong with you? The siege has begun. Siege? What siege? By the saints! The shark! Get me delayed! What are you doing? Are you trying to get yourself killed? You do not need to try. The English are doing that all by themselves. Come with me! Where is the governor? Where is Governor de Cocourt? Bye. I have not seen him since the attack started. We need drinks. Oh, stop quivering, man, and get us drinks. We Capitaine. John, the Earl of Salisbury, who was a kinsman of the English King Henry, and also his lieutenant and chief of his army, is well known for his courage and valiant fighting. He has devised a plan to take the city of Orléans, robbing a vital position from the French Dauphin, Charles, seventh of that name. Is it not a terrible breach for the English to attack the city of a man they hold captive? Do you think the English care? What are their positions? Maps! I must have maps! On Tuesday, the 12th day of October, in the year of our Lord 1428, the Earl of Salisbury came upon Orléans with a great army, encircling the city on three sides, with his encampment to the south, across the bridge over the River Loire. What are you doing? Writing love letters at a time like this? <laughs> the governor has tasked me to serve as a chronicler, to take to the Dauphin, if we live to see the Dauphin again. Who or what are you, Mouchard? Some say you are a spy, though no one knows for whom. <laughs> you seem to be everywhere and nowhere at all. I. I'm a ghost, 
my lord capitaine. I am the shadow you see out of the corner of your eye, the whisper somewhere down the corridor, the soft footfall just beyond the door. I see every movement, I hear every word, nothing escapes me. And then I write it all, so the world will know. You are a jester, juggling words like knives. Sunday, October the 17th. The English hurl into the city stones of 100, perhaps 120 pounds from bombards and great cannon. They're doing immense damage to the houses and buildings of Orléans. As the week progresses, the English make several raids between the guard tower, Les Tourelles, at the end of the bridge, and the main gate. Quel bordel! Greetings, Capitaine Lahir. <laughs> my Lord Chancellor Renault. <laughs> or shall I call you my Lord Archbishop? <laughs> or Eminence? <laughs> no, you are wearing armour. Though I wonder, why is a man of such gentle holiness wearing armour? Where is your Archbishop's frock? Ah, castoire, you vulgar man. On this Thursday, the English make a violent assault, lasting four hours, with no success. Twelve score English die. Where is Governor Gaucourt? And where are my maps? The Governor was passing the gate of Saint-Pierre-au-Pont. He was thrown from his horse. It was frightened by cannon fire, I suppose. How is he? Oh, the horse has calmed down since then. <laughs> the Governor suffered a broken arm. He's being tended to now. October the 24th. The English attack and seize Les Tourelles at the far end of the bridge. The citizens of Orléans sabotage the bridge with holes and mines so the English cannot reach the gate. Your maps, Captain Lahir. Uh, at last! Pray tell, what are the English positions? They have established troops on all of the major roads to the north, and over here, in the northeast, the west, They've taken the islands on the River Loire to the south. Many churches nearby have been turned into fortresses. It's better to point where the English are not. A small speck somewhere. Ah, yes, here. Inside Orléans. What of the bridge and uh, Les Tourelles at the end? Well, they have captured Les Tourelles. But we stopped them from crossing the bridge. Destroy the arch of it here, on the islet of Belcroix. But they have Les Tourelles itself. And have also captured all of the buildings in the monastery of Saint Augustin, there, across the river. Ah, oh, mon Dieu. My lords, Jean of the House of Orléans and Count of Dunois has arrived. Dunois is here. October the 25th. God's blessings be upon you, courageous men of France. <laughs> Dunois, welcome. I am delighted to see all of you alive. You are Jean. Also known as the Count of Dunois. Also the Dauphin's Lieutenant General in the matter of warfare. Your father... My father was Louis I. Murdered some 20 years ago. My half-brother Charles was captured by the English at Agincourt and remains their prisoner. You, then, are the sole guardian of the House of Orléans? I am. By the Dauphin's command, I am now the defender of the city. What of Gaucourt? Summoned to Chinon to serve the king. Now, to business. My concern is the bridge to the main gate. We must make it impassable for the English. Then will it not also be impassable to us? Think, Eminence. Of what use is the bridge if the English hold the fort at the end of it? 
They may use it to march on the gate. It is our greatest vulnerability. When the English are driven out, we'll repair the bridge again. Driven out by whom, Capitaine? Unless the King sends reinforcements, we do not have the resources to repel Salisbury and his army. The King has no one to send. We are on our own. What then should we do? Well, tell me, Dunois, as defender of Orléans. Hold on for dear life and pray that God sends us help. This day, Sunday, in the evening, the Earl of Salisbury goes into Les Tourelles to assess the site of Orléans. While in that tower, looking at the town through the windows, a cannon is fired from a western tower of the city. The cannon shot strikes the Earl in the face, crushing a cheek and putting out one of his eyes. He succumbs to his wounds on Wednesday, the 27th day of October. Some say it is God's judgment upon the Earl for attacking and looting monasteries and churches. The first day of December, Monsieur Jean Talbot, Baron of England, arrives with 300 English combatants, bringing cannons, bombards, and other gear of war. He hammers the walls of Orléans continually and more powerfully than before. Much evil and injury is done to the city, destroying many houses and fine buildings. The city will not surrender. The English are not able to invade. So they settle in for a long siege, believing that famine, starvation and weariness will cripple the French in Orléans in no time at all. The days turn into months. The 12th of February. The city elders fall into despair. They send delegates to the Duke of Burgundy, the so-called Philippe the Good. Though he is a staunch ally to the English, they beg him as a Frenchman to give aid to his own people. Philippe speaks to the English regent, the Duke of Bedford, proposing that Orléans be put under his guardianship. Bedford declines saying that he would be very angry to have beaten the bushes that others might take the birds. Unhappy with this answer, Philippe withdraws his troops from the siege of Orléans. The remaining English stand firm, holding their positions all around the city. The people inside Orléans are left to wonder if God will send anyone to help them. Count Dunois. What can you tell us of the peasant maiden Jeanne from Domremy? I began to hear rumours of her, that she'd been called by God to bring victory to the king. <laughs> Dare I believe it? Or was she another wild-eyed peasant? As the city was in my charge, I knew I must do something. So I sent someone trustworthy to learn the truth. Mouchard. The fortress of Vaucouleurs is ruled by the esteemed Captain Robert de Baudricourt, a man whose occasional virtues are surpassed only by his many moral imperfections. He is a fierce and loyal subject to the Dauphin, Charles VII of that name, our would-be king, though the English believe their king is our king. <sighs> Who will understand a hundred years from now, two hundred, five hundred, Will anyone care that France has been occupied in one way or the other by the English for over a century? They are here, and we are a divided land. 
The English hold territories, their allies, the Burgundians, hold territories. And then there are we poor French, we wretched few, loyal to the true King of France. But you would never know it. Ah well, time is not on my side. On to Vaucouleur to see about this maiden. Captain, Mouchard has come from Orléans and seeks an audience. Mouchard? Greetings, my lord Capitaine. Well, Mouchard, who has sent you to spy on me? <laughs> a spy? No, my lord Capitaine. I am merely a messenger, a chronicler. You have heard of Chaucer? No. Oh, good. Because I am nothing like the man. Why are you here? To see about the virgin from Doremi, Jeanne. I sent her home to her cows. She has returned. I sent her back to her cows. She has returned again. A tenacious child. She has caught the attention of the royal court. Has she? Your own nobles as well. No doubt you are aware that she is living right here under your nose at the home of Henri Le Royer. Le Royer. <laughs> Why would a man like Henri Le Royer support a peasant girl's madness? Perhaps you should ask him. Or, better yet, your own squire. Jean de Metz. You had him watch the girl for you, did you not? How do you know these things? It is a gift, my lord. Where is my squire? Hmm? Send for Jean de Metz. Your name? Jean de Metz. Tell us about the maiden. I first saw her near our barracks. She was there from time to time, asking questions. She wore a russet gown, very plain. The men often taunted her. You spoke with her? My Lord Captain de Baudricourt sent me to inquire of her. So yes, I spoke with her. Child, what are you doing here? Is it not unseemly for you to be seen near the barracks? I am here only in the hope of being escorted to the Dauphin. For what purpose? Uniting the country under his rule. <laughs> Is it not a foregone conclusion that the Dauphin and all of us who support him will be driven out of France and that we shall all become English? That is not God's will. What can you know of God's will? I know that you should take me to your master, Sir Robert de Baudricourt. I must be escorted to the Dauphin, even if I must walk until my feet are worn to my knees. You are determined. The Dauphin shall be properly crowned King of France, and then the kingdom will be restored. Oh, you say so, though no king, nor duke, nor even our allies from Scotland have been able to do it. They cannot help him. Only by my help will we be victorious. By your help? You have childish dreams of glory. No, sir. I would rather be home spinning wool with my poor mother, or tending to my father's animals. But my lord has commanded me to do this. And who is your lord? "'Tis God who commands me. I must set out to see the Dauphin." "'Oh, you must, you say. You will help me?' "'How soon would you like to depart?' "'Rather today than tomorrow. And tomorrow rather than later.' <laughs> "'You mock me.' "'Hear me, young maiden. If God will persuade Baudricourt to allow it, then I will see you to the Dauphin myself.' 
My Lord Capitaine, you sent for me. Ah, oh, yes, my squire. Shall I flog you for dereliction of duty? My Lord? Did I not send you to the peasant girl? You did, my Lord. And I have been watching her as you commanded? Watching, my Lord. I will not endure excuses. Give me the report I have been waiting to hear. My Lord, I can only report that she is a holy girl who believes that she has been sent by God to save France. Why do you say she is holy? She attends mass every day. She prays constantly. She went on a pilgrimage to Nancy, visiting the shrines. Mm. You went with her? Many did. Tell me of the Duke of Lorraine. He summoned her. How could you fail to report that to me? What was I to make of it? The Duke is old and in poor health. He hoped the girl might have the power to heal him. Did she heal him? No. She said she knew nothing of his health, only of her mission to speak with the Dauphin. She asked him for men-at-arms to accompany her to Chinon to meet Charles. In return, she would pray for his healing, and... And what? She admonished him for abandoning his wife to sire five children by his mistress. <laughs> A peasant girl rebuked him? How did he respond to that? He gave her a little bit of money and put her on a horse to come back to Vaucouleurs. No better than Herod. What has the girl been doing since? Waiting. Praying. Speaking to the townspeople. Many have rallied to her cause. And you? Are you smitten by her? She is an attractive girl, but her beauty comes from something else something inside. Tell me, man, is she a messenger from God or not? My lord, I do not know God well enough to say who speaks for him and who does not. I believe only this. She believes she has been given a message from God about the Dauphin being crowned as king and uniting France once again. This is not helpful to me. Boggles my mind what the people are willing to believe. All right, I will meet with her. But I will not do so alone. Fetch me Father Jean Fournier. You wish to be attended by a priest? I will not be made to look a fool. Certainly not by this girl. I want a priest to speak with her. Now go. Yes, my lord. Capitaine de Baudricourt takes Father Fournier, a local priest, to meet with the maiden. The priest hears her confession and performs an exorcism on her to ensure that no evil thing is possessing her and that any good thing will be made known to all. Father Fournier finds no fault in her. Capitaine de Baudricourt remains perplexed about what to do. However, there are forces beyond his control that will push him to a decision. My lord Capitaine, Musha. A messenger has come from the Duke of Anjou. Is that so, my lord? <laughs> An odd thing. The Duke has gone out of his way to tell me that on no account should I prevent the peasant girl from fulfilling her mission. <sighs> what am I to make of that? Is it a surprise to you, Capitaine? And who was the mother-in-law of the Duke of Anjou? Oh, Queen Yolande, of course. Queen Yolande? 
who is also the mother-in-law of the Dauphin. Yes? Well, Yolande has a keen interest in seeing Charles officially crowned as king. Even now, she is with His Highness at Chinon. My good Capitaine, this works to your advantage. How so? Without saying so explicitly, the Duke is giving you permission to send the girl to Chinon. Is he? Why else would he write to you about her? Now you may give her an escort as an act of obedience to your superior. You may now send her to Chinon without giving her your blessing. If she fails, you have lost nothing. If she succeeds, you may claim to have played your part. Either way, you see? What kind of mind thinks of such things? Now I am concerned. What is she, Mouchard? A saint? A witch? Leave that for others to decide. Follow your commander's orders. Send Jeanne la Pucelle to Chinon. So be it. But you must have an escort. Jean de Metz will go. A wise choice, my lord. And you also. Me, my lord capitaine? Be my eyes and ears in Chinon, Mouchard. Go. And let come what may of the girl. A wagon? What will we do with a wagon? We must travel over 200 miles through enemy territory. We must go light, essentials only. Yes, squire. Jean, Jean de Metz. <laughs> Bertrand, good friend. Well, is it all arranged? Nearly. Where's the maiden? Coming. Bonjour, squire de Metz. Bonjour, Mouchard. And who are you, sir? I am Bertrand de Poulangy, a member of the company. Willingly? Most willingly. Bertrand has raised the funds for this excursion. Indeed. You then are a believer. We. Oui. I am certain of the maiden and her mission. Good men of France, I am overjoyed to see you. When may we depart? When you are ready. Well, then we must go now. No, Pucelle. You are not ready. Not ready? All these months I have waited. Jean means that you're not ready to be seen in a royal court. <laughs> Child, you plan to meet the king wearing a red peasant dress. How am I to look? How would God have you look, dear girl? God sends me as a soldier. So I must appear as a soldier. You would dress as a man? Oui. Of what use are women's clothes on horseback? Or in battle? It will be a scandal for some. That will be the least of my scandals. We must find clothing that will fit you. Uh, a, a tunic, leggings, breeches, coats of mail, armour, boots and spurs, a sword. They will be heavy, maiden. I will bear it with joy. And my hair. It must be cut. More scandal. Let them take their scandals to the one who sends me. We will gather what you require, good maiden. Then may we go? Then we may go. Was it not awkward for you to travel with the maiden, Monsieur Poulanger? Awkward? Were you tempted at all by her? No. <laughs> I did not desire her. Uh, she was desirable. I would not have dared to request or demand such a thing of her. Why not? Because of the, the abundance of goodness I saw in her. 
Not me alone. In the eleven days we journeyed to Shinon, no one in our company attempted to take advantage of her. Who went with her? Myself, of course, and my servant, Julien. Jean de Metz and his servant, Jean de Honcourt. A royal messenger named Colette de Vienne, and Richard, an archer whom we'd hired. It was a miracle that we were not robbed, captured or killed. Was it a miracle? God protected his messenger. Tomorrow is Latari Sunday. What of it, good maiden? I do not want to enter the city when all are at mass. It will be a distraction from our lord. I know of an inn. Let us stay there until we may secure your audience with the Dauphin. A good idea, monsieur. In my town, the children celebrate Latari Sunday with picnics at the Gooseberry Spring. Tomorrow, they will hang wreaths on the fairy tree. The fairies are no more, of course. But to drink from the spring will keep the children free from fevers for an entire year. I was never sick as a child. Your strength is astonishing, Pucelle. Few women would have had the ability to ride a horse for as many leagues as you have. She is a better rider than you, Mouchard. Well, I am a man of letters, not beasts. <laughs> is that what you are, Mouchard? I have wondered why you were with us. I am to be your witness, dear girl. My witness? I am nothing. Nothing, maiden. A divine messenger is nothing. I am not a divine messenger, but merely... A messenger from the divine. Jeanne, how did God call you to be his messenger? He has been speaking to me through his saints since I was 13. Can you describe how he, or they, appeared to you? How am I to explain seeing without the sight of my eyes, or hearing without the use of my ears? Yet I could see and hear them clearly. When did it begin? The first time was in summer. I was in my father's garden. The voice came from the direction of the church. There was a bright light. There is always a bright light. I was afraid, but quickly comforted. The voice told me how to conduct myself as a child of God. To go to church as often as I could. But... How could you be sure it was not a young girl's whim, a, a midday dream, or, well, something worse? A whim or a dream to be holy? And what being would encourage me to do holy things unless it was God? In time, I realised he was speaking to me through St. Michael. How could you know it was him? His speech. He spoke as no man. If you heard him, you too would know you were with an angel. And then? Then he told me my mission, and that St. Catherine and St. Margaret would come to give me guidance. Guidance to do what? To speak to the Dauphin. Only that? More. What else? Well, the rest was for the Dauphin's ears. No one else's. But what if the Dauphin would not listen? What would compel him to hear you? A message only he and God can know. What kind of message? Something so private, I could not know it unless it came from God himself. Then he will listen. The voice has told me so. 
the 21st of February. The maid's arrival in Chinon is not a secret. The streets are lined with those who want to see Jeanne, the curious, the skeptical, the hopeful. We find an inn familiar to some of our party. Collet de Vienne, the royal messenger, journeys up to the castle to seek an audience with his highness. While Collet uses his official channels, I, in turn, take another route to the royal chambers to visit the one person more powerful than our would-be king, his mother-in-law. Come in, come in, Mouchard. My dearest Queen Yolande. Perhaps I should mention that Queen Yolande is one of the wealthiest women in Europe. It is rumored that the Dauphin would be penniless without her financial support. It is also rumored that she is willing to provide the money for Jeanne's mission, should the girl prove to be genuine. I have been expecting your visit. Tell me, what do you think of the girl? Well, good queen, she is virtuous, sincere, holy, dedicated, unlike anyone in the royal court who will likely destroy her. Cynic. Does God speak to her? How else could a peasant girl of 18 years catch your attention? It is not my attention that needs to be caught. The Dauphin is in trouble. He is floundering. The siege of Orléans has magnified his belief that God is punishing him and, in turn, will punish the entire kingdom. He is now undone by bad counsel and men of selfish intent. What men, my lady? There are so many in the royal court. Mm. You know very well who they are. Georges de la Tremoille, for one. He is a wily character. He will not readily serve the girl's mission if it interferes with his own ambitions. There is also the Archbishop of Reims to contend with. He plays one side against another as it suits him. What is to be done, madame? Do you pray, Mouchard? When necessary. Then you must do so now. I will, my queen. But I fear God will have little to do with the goings-on in this castle. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Victory of Joan of Arc, a production of Augustine Institute Radio Theatre. To find out more about this audio drama, as well as many others like it, go online to airtheater.org. That's A-I-R-theater.org.